Good evening. It's a blessing to be here. Um, it's a blessing to be asked back as well. And I just came back from a trip. I was in Turkey, um, Azerbaijan, uh, Egypt, and I leave on Wednesday to go back to Asia for a couple weeks. So uh, please pray for that. Sometimes it's hard when you're traveling a lot to uh, try to figure out where you're at. I wake up sometimes in the middle of the night and I'm like, where am I? Which country am I in and then which city am I in? <laughs> But uh, God's been good. He just keeps opening more and more doors. And I want to thank you as a church for supporting us with cutting out flannel graphs. That's been a real blessing to us and getting them around the world. I know it's a lot of work, um, but the people around the world really appreciate those tools. And then also uh, we did a shoe project, and you guys helped us with the shoe project. It was really a real blessing, your support. We appreciate that. Um, I was in Cuba a couple of months ago uh, taking some supplies down to help the pastors and I was talking with some pastors who we help, and they make about, um, their, their salary is $20 a month for a family of four. And uh, so we have a program where we supplement their income about $25 a month for a family. Um, they get five pounds of rice, eight ounces of beans, um, a half, half a chicken leg, um, a box of matches, a bar of soap, a pound of cooking oil, and a pound of sugar. That's their monthly ration. No vegetables, no fruits. Um, so it's really amazing to go down there. And I was talking with them, and they said, you know, we can buy shoes for the, for the pastors, but it's $12 for a pair of shoes, and they usually last about two or three months. And so I said, well, we'll see what we can do about some shoes. And then uh, I felt really bad because I was coming home, and I usually just give all my clothes away. And I said, I feel bad I have some dirty socks in my, in my roller bag. And they said, oh, a pastor would love to have some, some socks. We'll wash them. I'm like, okay, go ahead and take them. And so we gave them some supplies and just keep sending teams in. But I was talking to a lady, and I was sharing in a, in a church down in Casper, Wyoming, which is where I grew up. And I was telling about, you know, taking Bibles into, into Cuba. And she said that when she was growing up in Cuba, in the school, they had all the kids stand up. And they said, now open your, open your hands like this, close your eyes, and pray and ask God for candy. And after a few minutes, they said, now open your eyes. And their hands were empty. They said, now close your eyes again. This time, pray and ask Fidel Castro for candy. And when they opened their eyes, their hands were full of candy. They said, see, God can't help you. God is dead. You need to pray to Fidel Castro. He will help you. He can answer your prayers. And uh, it's just amazing. I saw a thing on BBC a couple weeks ago that um, communism is now broke in Cuba. And what an amazing thing that it would, it's collapsing right in front of Fidel's eyes. I mean, in his lifetime. It's not like 20 years after he's dead, but it's in his lifetime. And I heard that he's actually searching for the truth now, and he's actually going back to his Catholic roots, and he's just trying to find meaning in his life. But I believe we're going to see Cuba open. And it's just what a great opportunity. I think we're seeing God shake nations and open nations like we've never seen before. And I think it's an exciting time to be alive. And I hope to encourage you tonight about what God is doing and, and that we all have a part to play in helping get the gospel out. Tonight, I just want to read a passage of Scripture from uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 6 through 14. Paul writes to Timothy, he says, Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying out of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, and of love and a sound mind. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God, 
who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began, but now has been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, to which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. For this reason, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. Hold fast the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed to you, keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. And in this passage, we see Paul saying to Timothy, stir up the gifts. Don't run away from the battle, but run to the battle. And I believe it's time as Christians that we keep pressing on. You know, we can look around us. We see our, our economy. We see the government. We see all these things. And it's, it is kind of depressing sometimes. But we need to keep our focus on the Lord and saying, God, what are you doing? God, you're at work around the world. And it's encouraging to see how you're working and that you're shaking nations and you're opening doors. And you're touching lives. And I think we just, I know for myself, I have to just stay focused in the word and in prayer and keep my eyes on Jesus. I pray for our government. I pray for these situations. But my eyes are on Jesus, fixed on Jesus. And he's the author and the finisher of my faith. And so tonight I want to talk about a few people that we've been working with around the world and share some stories which I hope will really encourage you. On this first one I want to show, um, this is a lady named Rose that's in Vietnam. Um, You guys have helped cut out flannel graphs that have gone to her. Um, She's trained 2,000 children's workers in Vietnam to date, uh, children's workers all throughout Vietnam. She's training these people to share the gospel. And so by the flannel graphs, she's able to show the kids, you know, visually the gospel and help disciple them. And that's our goal. But um, your help has helped us get over 1,400 flannel graphs into Vietnam now. Our goal is to get 2,000. So we're almost there. But I know that once we train, we get 2,000 and she's going to say, well, I want to go to Cambodia and train there and Laos there. And it's like, okay, well, let's just keep working at it. And so it's, it's amazing to see how God is using the ministry. Um, here's some of the, the workers in Vietnam who've got the final graphs and they're being trained. And then they're sent back to their villages to train the children, to minister to children, reach them with the gospel and then train them. This is pretty cool. This pastor is actually leading these kids in a prayer of salvation. And so you can see the, the flannel graph behind that has been used. They've used it to share the gospel, and now he's actually ministering the gospel to these kids. And it's neat to see now there are hundreds of thousands of kids that have been led to the Lord and disciple, being discipled in Vietnam. And so these simple little tools are actually going way up into the mountain villages to reach kids with the gospel. Um, this is a big load of Bibles. Um, we've been working with a pastor in Vietnam now for about 15 years. Um, he actually spent seven and a half years in prison for his faith in Jesus Christ. And he now oversees 540 churches, tribal churches. And we just keep working to get more and more Bibles to him, but we just can't keep up. I mean, the church is growing so fast. Uh, but bringing a big load of Bibles and flannel graphs to them, we've actually got a team going in a couple of weeks. They're actually leaving on Tuesday, but they'll be going into Vietnam in a couple of weeks, taking more Bibles in and more flannel graphs to help the, the workers there. Um, and there's also a team from back east, and they're taking uh, four, uh, sorry, eight duffel bags of flannel graphs in as well into Saigon. 
So God just keeps opening the doors. Um, it's kind of interesting because we, we had open doors for a long time in Saigon, and then we had a big team that was stopped. So we started going back to Hanoi. And we used to get through in Hanoi, but then that clamped down for a while. And now we see Hanoi is just wide open. And we had a team of seven men walk right through customs. Nobody even looked at them. They didn't even have the extra machine turned on. And they were able to deliver hundreds of Bibles for the, for the pastors there in, in the tribal churches. And what's nice is a lot of the churches are up north, so they don't have to ship the Bibles very far. I remember one time we brought a big load of Bibles in for the pastors, and, and uh, uh, the head pastor was gone. But we met with a couple of the pastors. We had lunch with them. And they, two of the pastors said, could you pray for us? And we said, yeah, what's, what's going on? And they said, well, after lunch, we're taking the Bibles you just carried in and some discipleship materials, and we're going to travel 36 hours by bus from Saigon to Vietnam. They said, anywhere along the line, if we get stopped, we go to prison for a long time. So please pray for us. And thankfully, we were able to pray for them, and we heard back that they'd made it safely. But they take the greatest risk. We just carry them across the border and just say, we're here to serve you. How do we help you? Um, I want to show you this slide. This is actually, um, sorry, it's kind of gross, but this is the big Hindu temple in Nepal, in Kathmandu, Nepal. Um, the Hindus worship here. It's kind of like the, the big place for them to go. On um, these platforms you see is actually where they burn the bodies of people after they pass away, after they die. And then what they do is they push the ashes into this river. And the Hindus believe if they wash, their, wash or bathe in this river and brush their teeth that it washes their sins away. They use that water. So it's a very disgusting religion. But we see God really working, and, and uh, the church really is growing fast in Nepal. This is a little bit closer shot. Um, you can see the kids down in the water, and it's just a filthy, dirty place. But we like to take the teams there to see what Hinduism really is. Because in America, we're sold this, uh, this watered-down version that makes it look like Hinduism's nice and it's intellectual and everything else. But it's very demonic, very evil religion. Um, this is a man we work with. He works, he and his wife work with Global Recordings. And what they're doing is they're working to put the gospel into all the languages of the people in Nepal, which I believe is about 159 languages. And so what we've done for years is we've brought in hand-wind tape players, and they're taking those in the villages with the cassettes that they put these languages onto. And the people who can't read can actually hear the gospel and respond to it in their own language. So it's been a really a great ministry. Uh, we've been doing this for over 20 years. Um, here's the new one we've, come out, we've actually started carrying in. It's called a Sabre, and it's a hand-wind CD player. Okay? They can't, uh, cassettes are kind of becoming outdated, so we're trying to use these hand-wind cassette players and uh, put the whole, the whole New Testament on them as well, as much of the, the Bible as we can, so the people who cannot read can hear it. And uh, we just heard a report back that three villages have come to Christ through these sabers just recently. And so we've got a team leaving on Tuesday. They're carrying 100 more of these sabers into, into Nepal. And the people are just so open to the gospel. They're fed up with, with Hinduism. There's no hope in Hinduism at all. Um, here's a guy that's actually using a flip chart uh, visual, and they're actually, you can't see it, but there's another guy playing the hand-wind tape player or uh, cassette player, and so he, they have a little ding on there so they know when to change it, uh, flip the page, and um, just they can go anywhere with the gospel now. And it's just neat because a lot of these villages that way up in the mountains have no electricity or batteries, and so it's just a really exciting tool use. Um, here they are carrying a bunch of supplies. What we found that it's not just enough to preach the gospel to people. If people are hungry, Jesus said, feed them. 
if they don't have clothes on their back, bring clothes to them. And if they're in prison, you know, go visit them. And so that's what we've tried to do is bring supplies as well. And uh, here's a team bringing a load of supplies, clothes, medicines, um, clo and um, vegetable seeds. The vegetable seeds have really been a real blessing around the world as well to help people grow their own vegetables. Here's a baptism taking place in Nepal. Um, it's amazing where they find places to baptize people, you know. And here they are praying in the church. And we're seeing that the church is growing more and more around the world. And what's neat is as the church grows, we see more and more people entering into the labor fields, more and more people joining in the harvest to, to, to minister to people that are lost. And that, to me, is, is really exciting to see because, I mean, there's a big world out there that needs Jesus, and we need as many laborers in the field as possible to reach out to the lost. This man is, is one of my really good friends. His name is Benjamin, and he's from the country of Bhutan. And I have to tell you, he is probably the most excited Christian I've ever met in my entire life. He is so on fire for Jesus. Uh, a couple of years ago, we helped him buy a van because this guy's goal is to go to every Buddhist monastery from the west side of, New, of Bhutan to the east side. This guy walks 8 to 12 hours one way to bring the gospel to Buddhist monks and nuns up in the, these remote villages. He's just phenomenal, and he's just so dedicated, he just loves Jesus. So what happened a couple of years ago, we'd help him get a van, and they were driving, he and his friend John were driving to a village, they met this lady along the way, and this lady was, was walking, they said, we'll give you a ride to, her, to your village. They went to the village with her, and they said, um, she said, would you please stay for dinner? They said, yes. So they had dinner with her, and they said, we'd like to show you a movie. So they showed her the Jesus film on a portable DVD player, and uh, she invited all of her neighbors well, the neighbors all came. Well, then uh, somebody got mad and called the police. And so Benjamin and John were arrested and put in prison for seven months. I saw Benjamin a couple months after he was arrested, after he was released, and he said, Brother, you'll never guess what happened. I said, What? He said, God allowed us to go to the prison to bring the gospel to the prisoners. He said, We preached to 180 prisoners. We led 20 to Christ. We baptized eight of them in the prison. He was excited. I'm like, wow, this is cool, you know? And then so I saw him a couple of years ago in Bhutan again, and, and he was told that he would be in big trouble again if he ever got caught preaching the gospel in Bhutan. He's like, brother, I can't help but talk about Jesus. He's, he's everything to me. He saved me from all my sins. He's preparing a place for me in heaven. He's everything. I have to tell people about Jesus. I can't stop talking about him. So when I saw him the last time in uh, Bhutan, he came and he was about an hour late. He says, sorry, I had to come back by bus. He said, I just prayed with six Hindus and four Buddhists to get saved this past weekend. He was so excited. His brother, I have to tell you, though, uh, he said, I just got out of prison again. He said, I got arrested again for preaching the gospel. And he said he was in prison for two months. And while I was in prison, he said every day he preached to the prison warden. And the prison warden said, you need to leave here. If you stay in here longer, I'm going to get saved. <laughs> so he let him go. And so when I just saw him a couple of months ago, he was, he was so excited. He said, brother, we've been smuggling Bibles into the prisons. He said, we got Bible studies going in the prisons now. He said, I think God's given me a prison ministry. I'm like, you're right on, brother. Keep going. <laughs> he told me he's overseeing 30 house churches now. I mean, God is just working. And, and he actually went to a village and was sharing with a Buddhist monk. And the Buddhist monk said, I had a dream. And in the dream, the man was telling me everything you just told me. 
And the Buddhist monk came to faith in Jesus Christ and has led 20 people to Christ, and now they're planting a church in that village. So God is really working and, and touching people. But very humble brother, but just keeps going with the gospel. It's amazing. He's, he's telling me this stories about smuggling Bibles into, into prison. It's like really cool. Um, this is just in a remote village as well, up in the mountains in Laos. And then this is in Laos as well, a team just delivering Bibles. Uh, we've been going up into those remote areas and bringing more Bibles and going into the remote areas with uh, MP4 players. And we have the, the gospel on presentation on those MP4 players and going into the villages. We just had another team that went in recently, brought another big load of Bibles. And they went to some of the villages, and they said that there's, there's believers now in a lot of these villages. So God is really using this and really drawing people. Um, this is in the refugee camps in Thailand. We've been working with the, the Korean refugees. Um, please keep praying for the country of Burma. Um, but Burma is starting to open up. The country's really changing. Although we still are hearing some battles going on, they just attacked the Kachin people on the border recently and killed a lot, of a lot of people there. There's a lot of believers there that are really being persecuted and run out of their homes. But God is really working, and we're seeing the country change. Here's some of the kids in the refugee camps with children's Bibles. It's pretty cool. The very, very poor kids, you know, very poor people. And we really believe that God is blessing the ministry to go into the refugee camps to bring in supplies and keep helping them. So it's really exciting times. This is a lady who's, who's a believer. She's working in the refugee camps as well. Um, she has a little medical hospital, a little medical clinic, and she's reaching out to about 11,000 Buddhists. And she does free medical work for the people, but also shares the gospel and ministers to the people. So please pray for her um, with her work. It's, it's not easy, you know, reaching out to these, these Buddhist people with the gospel. And this is a lady I want to talk to you about. Um, this is a friend of ours. She's working in the red light districts in India. Um, there's been over 500,000 girls sold from Nepal into India into trafficking. Um, so many of them are sold by their family members. Uh, some are kidnapped. Uh, some are promised to be married, and when they get married, the, the man sells them. Um, but this lady here on her knees has actually been working there for 14 years, working to build relationships with these girls and minister the gospel to them. Um, she actually set up a, a little beauty parlor and brings the women in, and they minister the gospel while they're work, working to cut their hair and fix their nails and stuff like that, minister the gospel to them. And then every afternoon, they bring in uh, about 20 to 30 young kids that were born in the brothels. And they minister the gospel to these kids, and they're teaching these kids English using the Bible as a textbook. So these kids are learning scripture memorization, memorization. They're learning how to pray and worship the Lord. And it's just really amazing. And we just heard in the last couple of weeks they've opened up a safe house. They rescued one lady and two children out, and they have 20 more ladies ready to come out. So it's really exciting. It's, it's very, very dangerous work. Um, this lady's had many death threats on her life and her husband's life as well. Um, he works with YWAM. But they're really seeing incredible fruit, and it's really exciting. But, and we're working on a, a documentary with, with Jennings Barmore. He's helping us to put the, uh, together a documentary, and we want people to know what's going on and get people to pray because we believe that prayer is what's going to change these things. So we pray and cry out to God and ask for God's intervention. So it's pretty exciting. Uh, please, if you remember, to pray for her. Um, her name is Sila. But uh, precious lady just really loves the people in the red light districts. And so um, these are some of the women behind her that have, have been working in the red light district. And these girls have no hope. 
And she said one of the biggest strongholds is really convincing these ladies that they have value. They've been told because they're Hindus that they're being punished for something they did wrong in their former lives. And they believe they have no value whatsoever. And this, this is just their, their punishment for what they did wrong in their former life. And, and she's been sharing the gospel with them. And, and once they get a hold of the truth, their life really begins to change. And it's one of the exciting things is they just planted a church in the red light district. It's the first time ever to have a church in this red light district. And it's really cool. They had 55 women and children come that first Saturday. They met, meet on Saturdays. And the first time, 55 people came. So it's really exciting, and, but it's really intense work. Um, please pray for them. That's very dangerous stuff. Um, this is looking down from uh, where the beauty parlor is. You can actually see the girls on the street. And uh, just intense place. There's 7,000 girls where she's working at. And in a city close by, there's 70,000. And so it's a, it's a big harvest field, um, but a lot of work and very, very dangerous. See again. Looking down the street. Um, this is the ministry we work with in Nepal, and this is actually where they bring some of the girls back to. If they're from Nepal, they bring them back here. If they can't go back to their villages, they bring them back to this place. It's called Asha, Nepal, and this is where they, they're rehabilitated. Um, they spend time ministering to them. And, you know, one thing we found is, you know, the world has an interest in trafficking. And you can, you can rescue a girl out, and you can change her surroundings, but if she doesn't know forgiveness for her own sins and be able to forgive those that have taken advantage of her, she's still in prison inside. So you can change the surroundings, but unless God gets a hold of her heart and changes her life, you know, she's still in prison. And we, had, we heard a story about one gal. She was actually sold by her brother for $10. And when she, with her parents' full knowledge. And when she got down to India, her sister was already there. Her brother had sold her sister already. And this lady has come to Christ. She's been rescued out. And uh, she's, she's forgiven her brother. She's been reconciled with her family. And she just tells everybody about Jesus and what Jesus has done in her life. It's a really powerful testimony. This is one of the, the gals that was rescued out. She was actually in China. Has been, had been trafficked into China. She's now safely in the house of rest um, with her little baby. And she's, she's been there for about a year now. But just amazing, you know, um, women have no value in a lot of these countries around the world. And so, and when I was talking, when I was just in Egypt, they were telling me that in Islam, that widows and orphans are seen as cursed by God and that we should shun those people. And I thought that is so different from the very heart of God you know, where Jesus said to take care of widows and orphans, you know, and, and he welcomed the children and he took care of the widows. He loved them. And we as, as a church need to reach out to widows and orphans. Um, this is in Iran. I want to talk about Iran for a few minutes. Um, I was just in Azerbaijan and I was really, really blessed. I met uh, uh, pastor, there was three of them that were going from a house church, uh, house churches. They were going back. They were going into Iran. It was a second trip, and they were carrying Bibles and, and materials in to evangelize in Iran. In the last last month, I have met over four, probably four or five Iranian believers, people that used to be Muslims that have come to faith in Jesus Christ. I mean, we're seeing God do incredible things in the country of Iran. I was talking to one man in Azerbaijan, and he said, uh, 
please don't come right now, wait until July. He said, in May, we have big election coming up. It's the most pivotal election in our nation's history. He said, either our country is going to open up or the mullahs are going to take us back to the dark ages. He said, please pray. It could be a very bloody election. And, um, but we're seeing such a hunger in the people in Iran for the gospel. I was asking this pastor, this Azeri pastor, I said, so how do you get into Iran with Bibles? I've been there twice. I've taken Bibles in. I just want to hear from him what, what he, how he does it. And he told me, he said, oh, it's so much God. He said, he said, I got up by the border. I had a whole suitcase full of the Jesus film, and, and I had Bibles. And, and he said, I got to the customs, and there was an older lady in front of me. And, and he said, so I helped her with her bag, and I put my suitcase in the bottom. I put her suitcase on the top, and we're going through customs. He said, okay, open the bag in the top. So he opened her bag, and they let her look through the bag. And everything else. he said, okay, close it up. You can go ahead and go. And he said, so God just provided this older lady with her suitcase, and I helped her. And we walked right through the customs, and... And, and it was just amazing, you know, to see Azeri pastors going into Iran with the gospel. It's just exciting to see the gospel going forth and, and to see people from other countries getting the vision and saying, let's go, let's go, let's do this. Let's reach out to our own people, but let's go to surrounding nations as well and get the gospel out. So it was really encouraging for me. Um, but the church is growing very, very fast in Iran. Um, everywhere I go, I've heard actually in Turkey now there's 25 Iranian fellowships in Turkey, 25, and uh, just everywhere. There's in Australia, now in, in Europe, there's Iranian believers, churches that are established. Even in the United States, there's, there's Iranian fellowships here. So God is really working among the Iranian people, and it's just exciting. Um, this is actually an Iranian man. We took this while we were in Iran, and you can see the lady in the back uh, covered up. But it, the amazing thing, when I've talked to these, these Iranian believers, and then last week I heard a guy even from Algeria who was a Muslim, he was telling his story. And every one of them, they tell me how when they come to Jesus, they sense such love and such peace and forgiveness. And they say, we don't see that in Islam at all. And uh, it's just amazing. I was talking to this girl. I met this girl in, in uh, Istanbul a couple weeks ago. And I said, so how did you come to know the Lord? And she started telling me her story that when she was 18 years old, she prayed and she asked to know the true God. And she said the next night she had the most vivid dream and she saw Jesus hanging on the cross. And Jesus said, I died for you. You're mine, you're chosen, you belong to me. And she said the next scene she saw herself as an adult walking with Jesus in the garden, this beautiful garden. And she said Jesus was holding a newborn baby. And it was a little baby girl. And she said, but she knew that was her in Jesus' arms. But she thought, how do I get born again? Okay. So a year later, she's going to school in, in Cyprus. She's staying with a, with a family, a Turkish family that opened their, their house to her. She was, she was renting a room from them. Every morning, she'd see this Turkish man reading his Bible. And she said, what are you doing? And he said, I'm reading the Bible. He said, I'm a follower of Jesus. And she said, well, I'm a Muslim. I believe Islam. And he said, well, have you ever read the Quran? She said, no. He said, well, you need to at least read your book to know what you believe. And she said, okay. So she went back. She read the Quran. She came back a few days later. She said, this is not the truth. This doesn't make sense. She said, what is the truth? And he starts showing her the Bible. And she started telling him about this dream that she'd had a year before. But she's, I just can't figure out how do I get born again to be that baby in Jesus' arms? 
And so he took her to John chapter 3 and showed the story of Nicodemus and prayed with her for salvation. And so we're seeing all over the world, Muslims, God is stirring the Muslim people. And people are hungry for the truth. I was talking to this lady in Turkey, and she's been there for 20 years. She said, I said, how do we pray for Turkey and for the Islamic world? She said, pray that God will use every way possible to reach these people. But she said, pray for the seeds that have been planted. You know, Turkey's a country with over 70 million people and less than four or 5,000 believers. And it's hard to see so many people that are lost around you. But she was telling me, she said, the whole Arab Spring thing has completely failed. She says, what happened is these people wanted freedom and democracy, and instead what's happened is radical Islam has come in and hijacked this movement. And she said, now all these people are disillusioned with Islam. They're searching for the truth. So it's amazing what God is doing. And when I was in Egypt, um, one night we went to this church service, and, and the leader of the team said, we have to walk through Tahir Square. Is that okay? I'm like, yeah, why not? You know, and, and I thought, you know, I don't need to be afraid. You know, we're not going to do anything stupid. You know, and so, so we walked right through Tahir Square just praying. And, and at that time, there wasn't a lot of people. It was just the circular place was a, the small circle was a bunch of tents and everything else. And then we went to this church, which is actually the largest church in the Middle East. And it was a really exciting church. God's really working there. But they said every Friday night, they have 3,000 Christians go to Tahir Square and pray, and they worship the Lord, and they ask for God's intervention in their nation. You don't see that on CNN. But God is working, and, and we need to look beyond you know, what we see in the news, and, and we need to spend time in the Word, spend time in prayer, and, and keep praying for these nations. But it's just amazing to me that the whole thing has failed, and now more and more Muslims are searching for the truth. And I think we have a great opportunity you know, now to reach out to these people. I think it's an exciting time in history. And instead of running from the battle, we need to run to the battle. And instead of hiding and running and and hiding our our light under a bushel, we need to put our light on the lampstand so all can see it. We need to stand up for Jesus more and more in the midst of a, a dark world, a world that's perverse, wicked and perverse. We need to stand up and shine brighter and brighter for the Lord. Um, We're doing a project right now with Voice of the Martyrs. We're going to try to print 50,000 Bibles to send into Pakistan. Our contacts in Pakistan said that uh, the Muslims in Pakistan are fed up with Islam. They're tired of it. They're tired of all the terrorism, and they're saying, what's the truth? And they're saying, we need more Bibles. So we're working on, we got permission. We're going to print 50,000 Bibles, and we're going to send them by truck from India right into Pakistan. It's a great opportunity. Years ago, we did, we did a project with Voice of the Martyrs printing Bibles for Pakistan. Uh, one of those Bibles got in the hands of a Taliban soldier who read the Bible. He got saved, and he went out and gave out 600 more Bibles to other Taliban soldiers. So God is really working, and we need to be encouraged and keep praying. Keep praying and, and supporting missions, and, and we need to reach out to the Muslims here in America. Uh, last week, I was, last Sunday, I was in uh, Times Square in New York City, and I was shocked how many Muslims are in our own country. And I've been asking God, God, break fear in me, that, Lord, I would not be fearful of these people, but instead need to reach out to them, to see them the way God sees them, and be moved with compassion as Jesus was moved with compassion. I need to see them the way God sees them and reach out to them and put my fear behind me. And I believe we as Christians in America need to reach out to these people that are in our country. 
We need to reach out to them and, and, and minister to them. Many of them are, are searching and they're wondering what's going on. What's the, really the truth? And so when they see Christians that really compare, care about them and invite them to their homes for holidays and, and minister to them, and hey, what a great witness to them. Because a lot of the people that come to the United States to go to university are usually the, the higher echelon in their societies. You know, they have money, they have influence, maybe their parents or even government leaders, they can, get, they can get visas and get out. So we've got an opportunity when they come to our country to reach out to them. So I'm really thankful for campus ministries. Um, this is a Pakistani evangelist we're working with and just trying to reach out in Pakistan and give them the tools so they can reach their people. Uh, once again, it's very, very dangerous work, but the gospel has to keep going. You know, and that's why Paul says, join with me in suffering for the gospel's sake. Don't be ashamed of Jesus. Stand up. Stand up. This is a church service we were at in Egypt, and it was just amazing, you know, to see these people, but um, these are Christians, actually, but, you know, how oppressed they are. But yet when they start to worship the Lord, they're very joyful. They were really hungry, you know, for people to come and minister to them and encourage them. And I just ask you today to really pray for our brothers and sisters around the world that are suffering. The people in Egypt are very concerned because the country is very unstable. And they don't know if, if it's going to go toward radical Islam or not. They're very concerned. Um, I talked to even some secular Muslims, you know, and they said, we don't hate the Christians. We've lived side by side with Christians for hundreds of years. We don't hate, hate Christians. We don't hate Israel. But we're concerned about this Islamic Brotherhood taking over and forcing radical Islam on us. They're concerned. And about 16 million people in the country of about 90 million people, 16 million voted for Islamic Brotherhood. So about 20% is impacting the rest of the nation. So we have to pray for the believers in Egypt. But God is working around the world, and I just want to encourage you tonight to stir up the gifts that God's placed within you. You know, stir it up and keep praying and keep pressing in and keep you know, supporting what God is doing and keep praying. You know, I believe we're, we're in an exciting time in history where we're seeing God shake nations. We're seeing God open, open doors in countries. I think we're going to see Cuba open within the next year. I think we're going to see more and more nations open up. And as radical Islam, I mean, who would ever dreamed that Iran, the most Islamic country, radical Islamic country in the world, is seeing tremendous revival right now? Who would ever dream that it would happen in Iran? And now they're saying the people in Turkey, the Iranians are being used in Turkey to evangelize people in Turkey. So, you know, it's it's exciting time to be alive. But, you know, the enemy wants us just to, to kind of back off and hunker down and just say, okay, we're going to be in this for the, for the long, long haul. Let's just, let's just kind of hide our light under a bushel and just hide away. And God's saying, no, don't hide it under a bushel. Stand up for Jesus more and more and support the work of God around the world and pray and say, Lord, here am I. Use me, Lord. Maybe some of you can't go on mission trips, but we can all be used whether it's here in Bozeman or wherever God has us, we can all be a light in the midst of the darkness. Amen? Amen. So I just want to thank you tonight for, for coming and listening. Um, I just want to encourage you. God really is working. I'm excited. You know, I've never seen God work like, he, like we've been seeing it, even going into China. In one day, we had a team that carried over 4,000 Bibles into China in one day. I've never seen that, and I've been carrying Bibles in for over 25 years. In one week, the team carried 19,500 Bibles into China. 
I mean, to think 19,500 households would have a Bible now, that's huge. Now, there's a lot more people that need them, but still, you got to start somewhere, amen? You know, so you keep working at it, keep working at it. And, and that's why we're all working together in the labor, laboring in the harvest fields. We work together, we keep planting, keep planting, and, and I believe we're starting to see the crops come up. We're seeing the fruit of the harvest. Let's pray. Father, I just, I really want to thank you for this church. I thank you for their heart for missions, Father God. I thank you for their heart to reach people here in Bozeman and all over Montana, Father God, all over the United States and all over the world. I thank you that this church is a going church, Father. Not just talking, but Lord, going. Going and helping bring the gospel to the nations. Father, I thank you that we all have a part to play in getting the gospel around the world. Lord, we all have a part. And so, Lord, I pray this week that you would just speak to people. Speak to each one of us. That, Lord, we would know what our part is. And that, Lord, we would all be involved in helping fulfill the Great Commission. That, Lord, whether it's here at home or over around the world, Father God, that we would be involved in getting the gospel out. And, Father, I thank you for the people here that are, that are laboring on foreign fields. Father, I pray that you would refresh them. Thank you for their labor of love, Lord, halfway around the world or wherever they're at, Father God. I ask that you would bless them. Bless them, Lord, in a tremendous way, Father, that you would refresh them and encourage them. And that, Lord, they would, just, they would just be really ministered to this week, Father God, as they minister to others, that, Lord, that you would bless them, Father. And so, Father, I just ask that just have your way this week, that you would be glorified and that you would bless each person, Father. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.